Before I get into the word this morning, I found out Bonnie Jones was going to be here. So I asked her to come and just share with us some things. I know she just had her the shepherd's rod. So I want her to come. Welcome, Bonnie Jones. Good morning, everyone, and Merry Christmas. Thank you, Michelle. Was that awesome worship or what? Look, see, we look like stop and go here, red and green. So, okay. Well, you know what? This is just, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Okay, there we go. Isn't it? I mean, all the time we should be praising the Lord. Some of these songs I sing all year long. And why? Because it really lifts up my heart in a time of thanksgiving for what Christ has done for me, what he's done for all mankind. But, you know, these songs, we don't have to save them for, for Christmas. I start singing them. Well, they just continue all year long. So anyhow, so I wanted to share with you a few things today. I was excited. We just received our shepherd's rod, and so I brought some this morning. But if you can see the cover, it's that of a Marine's dress blues, okay? Now, I see, I think I did two tours of duty because both my husbands were Marines, okay? <laughs> Once a Marine, always a Marine, right? Once a Marine's wife, always a Marine's wife. Can you picture Bob in his dress blues? Young and thin, that is. <laughs> but anyhow, uh, there's a real history behind the dress blues. And one of the things that the Lord uh, showed me this year was he showed me the Marine and it was like my very first boyfriend, which I was too young to have a boyfriend. But he showed me as um, like my first love, which I was way too young to know what love was except to love my parents and my siblings. But when he showed up before in my dreams, I knew that the Lord was saying it's time to return to our first love. So when I saw him this time, and it was really the buttons on his uh, dress blues is what caught my eye. And there's a story behind that, but every part of that Marine's uniform means something significant. And something that happened a couple days after Day of Atonement was the, um, the sword. It's called a Ma Mameluke sword. And I saw the Lord reach down out of heaven and put the sword in the hands. You know, the, the Marine Corps, they wear the, in the dress blues, they wear their white gloves. Has anybody here served in the Marine Corps? Okay. But they wear the white gloves with their dress blue uniform. And the Lord put that sword into the Marines' hands. Now, I felt it's only the commissioned officers that are allowed to wear that sword. So I really believe that the remnant was commissioned on Day of Atonement this year because there was p uh, power and fire that came out of that sword. And we have been commissioned to move into the things that God has called us to do. It's time, the Lord said to me, we're at a Red Sea moment. It's a time of decision for us. Are we going to move with him in faith? Or are we going to, you know, it's a supernatural faith that he's given us and we can either move with him or we can walk along with the enemy. So what are we going to do? It's a Red Sea moment. And you know, um, the children of Israel, remember they were led by the pillar of um, fire and by the cloud. So in Deuteronomy, no, excuse me, Genesis, Exodus, Exodus, we'll get the right one here. Exodus 14, God, he told Moses, stand still, do not be afraid, and this is for us. Do not be afraid. We can't be afraid of what the enemy's bringing at us. Has anybody been tempted and gone through trials and tribulations by the enemy, right? It's what we do in that time, okay? God said to Moses, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians are enemies whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. Okay, now God in that 
a cloud and the pillar of fire, he actually repositioned himself, okay? Because he came, became that pillar of fire to the enemy and they couldn't come past that, correct? Remember at the Red Sea, they came so far and they could not come any farther. And that's what God is doing with our enemies today, okay? But we have to decide which direction we want to go. We're at that place of decision. I wish I would have marked this. Okay, we have doors of opportunity that are opening for us. Okay. I will say that this is the first time I've written this Shepherd's Rod by myself, and it's the best one ever. No. <laughs> Oh, that, that sounds terrible. Okay, I, I can't really comment on anything that Bob and Paul Keith did because that was their baby, okay? But from the time that it was turned over to me, uh, you know, was Bob and I. And then we included my son, and then Bob went home, and then it was my son and I. And this year, well, the Lord's called him to do other things, and so it was I. <laughs> But I just feel that the revelation the Lord gave me and just sitting and letting him, he makes it kind of easy for me because what he speaks, I write, okay? So he, he does it all, I just kind of listen. But um, I'm gonna find the page here. And I don't wanna take a whole lot of time, but there's doors of opportunity that's opening for us. And we will receive a 30, 60, or 100-fold blessing from you know, it depends on us and what we do. Um, this is something the Lord said to me. The doors of opportunity are opening for his bride to enter through. She's being given choices to make, and depending on the choice she makes will determine the amount of victory she receives, 30, 60, or 100-fold. He said, you see, not everyone who enters through the door shall receive a 100-fold. The victory comes according to the obedience and inheritance. So we'll inherit, you know, the least we can get is 30-fold, okay? And he was showing me how Abraham, there was different times in his life, you know, he began by receiving 30-fold after he separated from Lot. Now, have any of you had a lot in your life? I mean, a lot. I'm talking about a person. <laughs> I was thinking about that this morning, driving up here. I thought, there's an old golf story about, you know, these four guys on a golf team. And on the, like, the fifth hole, the, Freddie died, right? He had a heart attack and died. So what happened? They said, well, we got to finish the game. So they hit the ball and drag Freddie. That's what they did. <laughs> okay, you know what? We can't take baggage along with us, okay? I mean, <laughs> that's just a cute story, but, you know, <laughs> that's our lot. Sometimes that's our lot. We'll just keep dragging Lot or Freddie along with us, and it prevents us from moving into the 60-fold or the 100-fold, okay? So there's sometimes there's things we're going to have to leave behind, which was Lot. So he received 30-fold after he separated from Lot, 60-fold after the birth of Isaac, and 100-fold at Mount Moriah. Uh, and then he received an un another 100-fold blessing after uh, he tithed a tenth of all of his belongings to Melchizedek. So, you know, what is the Lord showing you that you need to perhaps give up or leave your lot behind? Do you ever hear anybody say, well, that's just my lot in life. Well, I don't know that's such a good thing. Um, now, this is not in the shepherd's rod, but I want to share something that the Lord gave me just the other day. <laughs> uh, and on the way up here today, see, it's a good time driving in the rain, you know. It's a good time just to spend with the Lord. So I think it was two days ago, and Bob would say this was a trance because I wasn't awake and I wasn't asleep. I was in that place in between. But very clearly, I saw a movie clip from an old movie, and some of you may have seen this, Captain Newman, M.D. The old movie from World War II, towards the end of World War II, Gregory Peck is a, uh, he, has, he runs a psychiatric ward. 
It's in, um, out in Colorado or someplace. But he, anyhow, so he has all these psychiatric patients that he works with, not just to restore them, to send them back to combat, but to restore them mentally, okay? But the scene that I saw was, his name was uh, Colonel Bliss in the movie. It was actually Eddie Albert, if you know who that was from Green Acres. But in, in this clip that I saw in my mind, he was saying, I am Mr. Future. I am Mr. Future, okay? And he was talking real fast, but I couldn't make out what he was saying except I am Mr. Future. And then I had this knowing that it was a dream or an experience that I had three years ago. But the Lord said to me, the time is now. Now, I actually watched that movie the other night, and I had to get that clip of what this man was saying. Because he was Mr. Future, he disconnected from the world, okay? And he was Mr. Future, and Mr. Past was somebody else that he knew. So one had a history and one didn't, okay? But think about this. Captain, new man, new man, okay? We have to separate from what is, we are the one new man right here, okay? The future is ours, right? We have to leave the past behind. This man had a split personality, and he went bonkers, okay? But God wants us to come together as the one new man, okay? Future is what we behold in eternity in him, okay? But we have to leave the past behind. In the shepherd's rod this year, the Lord very specifically, he actually gave my brother uh, an experience on Day of Atonement about offense. My brother in this experience came to a place of a fence and he saw the Lord on the other side. And the Lord, he wanted to know what's on the other side there. And the Lord said, you know. And my brother didn't know. And he said, I'll come to you later. And he did. He came to my brother later and told him he had two things. Okay, offense is going to keep you from your promises. Okay, humility will open the door. But offense will keep that door closed. He told my brother two things. Now, this is personal for him, but it was smoking and dirty jokes. Okay. So you see, my brother was like uh, Mr. Future here, okay? He had the past and he had the future, but he can't go into the future without giving up the things that he's holding on to in the past, or you could say the present, okay? For me, when the Lord said, the time is now, and it had to do with a dream from three years ago, I had to go back to 2020 and look to see what is the Lord talking about? What dream was it? March 24th, 2020, I saw in the creek behind my house, there were two angels washing like their clothes on an old wash, an old scrub board. And they said, we've been washing in this same stream for 17 years. Well, I've been at that place 17 years, okay? But, and then from the creek to where I was, in the middle was the Lord. And he had fish on the spit, just like John 21. The fish were on the spit. He had prepared them. See, God has fish prepared for each one of us. Souls of salvation. Souls that we only, only you can touch certain people. I can't. I won't encounter them, but you will. But the Lord looked at me and he said, the question is, will they or won't they? Okay, are we going to do our part? Every one of us is a full-time evangelist because every place that you are is your place of authority and your place to offer salvation to someone. So, okay, so there was Jesus, there was the angels, Jesus, and then were two more angels, very large angels, and they looked like farmer angels, but their name was Promise and Hope. But they had, they were two angels, they served in World War II. And they said to me, we still have 50 years more uh, uh, 
duty in us, okay? They still had 50 more years. But they had to make a report to wisdom. I loved, I loved all these experiences, but wisdom showed up too. They had to make a report to her, okay? Now, that is the thing. When the Lord is saying the time is now, okay, now is that time. For me, I know this is a promise that he gave me three years ago. I want you, each one, to go back and look at promises that the Lord has given you because the time is now. You know, there's nothing left that has to happen on earth before Jesus can come, okay? He's making his bride ready, and that's each one of us. When the, um, if I can find this, when the Lord, when I saw the Lord put the sword into the hand of the Marine, Okay, I'm, I'm just going to read this part here. Um, I saw him reach down from heaven and put a fiery sword in the Marine's hand. And as he did, power was released through the sword. See, this is, this is for us. Power was released through the sword, and the fire of God was its power. Immediately, the power of the fiery sword transformed and transfigured the Marine to transcend through time. This power will transcend its recipient, that's us, through time to distribute power to other believers. Then I heard the battle hymn of the Republic. But this is the thing. The Lord is going to do that. You know, we, he transcends us through time to do something. You know, in eternity, there is no time. And he may need you to... Um, I don't know why Egypt came to mind. Say there's something going on in Egypt. It may be one person that God needs you to witness to in Egypt. And he can transcend you through time to that place to be there. You're still at home in bed, sound asleep, yet he gives you a commission to be there. And he can take you there. I've had these experiences. We're entitled to these because we are eternal beings, all right? Now, this isn't to come back and boast about and say, hey, guess what I did? No, you're like a, an undercover agent, okay? Working for the Lord and you do his word and angels will be with you to accomplish what he calls you to do, okay? This is the fiery sword of the Lord, okay? And he is transcending us through time to do what he needs done for his purpose, not for us. It's not to build us a big ministry, you know. There are many people homeless that just need somebody to talk to them. You ever think about that? This is probably the worst time of the year for the homeless people, you know. But we have a tendency to just walk by them or don't go that way, okay? Because if, if I don't see them, I won't have to do anything. But they, all of us need to know that we're loved. Okay, and love is the greatest gift you can give to anybody at any time. Okay, children, well, hey, that's all I've got to say. And Merry Christmas to everybody, and I'll see you again soon. Happy New Year 2024 is going to be awesome. Bless you. Amen. Thank you, Bonnie. I knew she would have something from the Lord, and uh, she did. And we say yes and amen. You know, I, I know that supernatural travel experience is real. It's one of the first dreams I ever had was, I think I've shared this with you. I was at a television station in this dream. This was many years ago. And I was giving one of those, thus saith the Lord, you know, and they didn't want to really hear what I had to say. And so they called the police in the dream. And all of a sudden, as the police rushed on the set to take me away, I disappeared. And they were looking around. Where is he? Where did he go? Where did he go? And uh, so anyway, I believe in that. And when that time comes, and I'm saying, thus saith the Lord, and they're calling the police, I'm going to remind the Lord of that dream. You, know, you remember, you got me out of that mess, and uh, you're going to do it again. But anyway, it's really good to be with everyone. And um, it's the second Sunday in a row that we had a lot of rain, but anyway, you showed up. 
And this is the day we're going to be showing up, regardless of the weather, regardless of things that come our way. This is it. I agree with that word, now is the time. How many of you feel like it really is the time in your own life? You know, this is the time you've been made for. And uh, the Lord could have chosen many others, but he chose you, he chose me. And uh, so this is, and the Lord knows what he's doing. He hadn't made any mistakes, and he never will. We had a group of people that's gathered over in the Welcome Center for a prayer event. How many of you are here for that? Some of you, and uh, there was a pastor coming are you from Ghana, right? Are you from Ghana now? God bless you. Thank you for being here, coming to join us. We're honored. And um, yeah, they, they had a promise that when they left, I think they would leave something behind and something. So we're just going to stand in agreement on that. And it's going to be the time that God's been do- building us up for. You know, we just, uh, f- this week, we finished... I'm trying to keep up with them, but it's a little over 155 radio programs that we preached into Uganda, in Mubara, Uganda. And, um, and God has been doing an amazing work. We're a part of a move of God that's happening in Uganda, and we're just in on it. And now we've moved from the radio. We've, we've just finished, I don't know, 28 or 20-something television programs, but... But God is moving in the earth, but some of the greatest moves are yet still to come, and that's what he's prepared you and me for. And uh, Carla had a word last week about our re-emphasizing, reaching out to leaders, and we're going to do that. We've got something planned for January the 10th. We're going to have a national leaders gathering, but it's going to be over the radio, and uh, I'm going to be with some of my pastor buddies up on the mountain and anyway, they're going to send in questions, and we're going to do some things. And then on the 12th, we have another big discipleship gathering that we're doing. And we've never been there, but, uh, but God is moving powerfully, and uh, we're just excited to be a part of it. You guys good? Everybody with me today? I want you to go with me to Matthew chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 2, because of all the great moves of God in the past And the things that we believe God is preparing us for, the greatest move of God has already happened. And that's what happened in Matthew chapter 1 and chapter 2. And I want to look at it and compare what happened in that season with what I believe God's getting us ready for now. now. Does that make sense? And uh, because I think there are many lessons we can learn with what happened at the birth of Jesus, which of course culminated at his resurrection, but, um, but he's getting us ready. I'm telling you, just say, I'm getting ready. But guess what? You're already ready, and now's the time to get on with it. So, Lord, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for Bonnie being here. Lord, thank you for the prayer event that's happening over in the Welcome Center. Thank you for the, the pastor from Ghana. Lord, uh, you reminded us we've been casting our bread on the water in Uganda and Africa, and now a lot of it's coming back. And the Lord, we're believing that we've been created for such a time as this. So Lord, give us understanding, give us wisdom. We agree with what Bonnie spoke. Lord, we need wisdom from above for this hour. But we believe that now is the time, this is the day that you've reserved for us to be in being part of the great purpose that you've planned for this hour. And we give you all the glory in Jesus' name and all of God's people. They said, amen. Amen. Now you've heard of the 12 days of Christmas. I've got 12 points, okay? So I'm not going to, but it won't last a long time. I'm just going to mention them and uh, you grab hold and we're going to pray and believe that there's great purpose. But notice with me in Matthew Chapter 1, this is the, you begin with the genealogies or the lineage of Jesus. Now, how many of you, like me, have had a tendency to skip over when you're reading through the Bible and they get to the begots, you know, so-and-so, 
It says in verse 1, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, and Abraham begot Isaac, and Isaac begot Jacob. How many of you skip over sometimes the begots? I have. This time, the Lord said, no, you need to pay attention. There's something in the middle of these begots that you're going to be glad that you begot, that you remember, and because there's something you need to grab hold of. And it begins with verse 1, the genealogy of Jesus. And we know he's the son of David, but he also, it says, the son of Abraham. Now, we know that David was a son of Abraham, but Jesus, in the lineage, he was a, a son of Abraham as well. And, uh, but there's something in the midst of this. Notice in verse 10, Hezekiah begot Manasseh. Manasseh begot Amon, and Amon begot Josiah. And then it goes how the, until they were carried away into Babylon. Now remember that. There was a season in this list of genealogies and the lineage where they were carried off into Babylon. And then look in verse uh, 16, and Mary begot Joseph. So they've skipped through a number of years and generations. Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called the Christ. So all the generations from Adam or Abraham to David were 14, from David unto the captivity in Babylon were 14, and then from the captivity in Babylon unto Christ was 14. And then in verse 18, we see now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows, and they go on with the story that we've become accustomed to. And, uh, but the first thing I wanted to notice is the move of God, that this move of God that happened, that really we're a part of today and we get to get in on, it happened with the genealogy of Jesus, a promise that was spoken to Abraham. Now, remember back in Genesis chapter 12, we're going to just look at history for a moment and we'll get back into this. But in Genesis 12, the Lord called Abram. He said, get out from your country, from your family, from your father's house and go to a land that I will show you. And that's the promise. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and your name is going to be great. And uh, you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and I'm going to curse those who curse you. And in all the families of the earth, you shall be, or they will be blessed because of you. Now, for this move of God to happen, Abraham had to get out from his family. He had to get out from his land. He had to make a break from the familiar. How many of you found there were times in your life you had to make a break from something you were familiar with, something you were comfortable with. You'd rather have just stayed right there. But the Lord required that you break from that and that you start brand new, that you had to walk by faith. There have been at least three times in my life, and really more than that, where the Lord required me to leave my lands, leave my family. And all of them were very uncomfortable. And I remember my dad, especially the last time, my mom was just diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And my dad needed me. My mom needed me. I didn't want to leave. I'd already left many times. And I'll never forget having to tell my dad, no, my, the Lord's called me back to North Carolina. And I've got to go. I've got to obey the Lord. And I'm telling you, it hurt. It was hard. My dad began to cry. My mom began to cry. I began to cry, but I followed the Lamb of God where I heard him speaking and where he said to go because there was a promise that had been given. And all of us are on this, and Abram had to do that. He had to make the break, and, uh, there, and, but the promise was, this was the scripture the Lord gave me. I remember being in West Virginia the, another time, and we were comfortable. I just met Shirley, we, well, actually, we'd already been married for a little while because we had Josh, and now we were getting ready to have, have Emily. And the Lord said, now go from this place to a land that I will show you, you know. And so anyway, I didn't necessarily want to come tell you, Shirley, we're getting ready to move again. And uh, she didn't want to hear that. I promise you she didn't want to hear that. But the promise in Mark chapter 10, Jesus, remember Peter said, Hey, we've left all and we're following you. 
And Jesus looked at Peter and said, as surely I say to you, there's no one who's left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for the sake of the gospel who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. When I read that, I thought, God, why did you have to put that in there? (laughs) Why couldn't we just leave that part out? How come there has to be pain involved? And in the age to come, eternal life. But now just back to Abram. Remember in Genesis 15, Abram reminds the Lord that he's given him no offspring. God brought him outside. He said, look toward the heavens. See if you can count the stars. If you're able, so shall your descendants be. And Abraham believed God, and it was accounted unto him for what? For righteousness. And then in chapter 18 of Genesis, 18 and 19, you know, there's a reminder how he would be made into a great nation. And uh, the promise would be fulfilled as he obeyed the Lord as he went out. Then in verse 19, there was the command to Abraham. He was to command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord, to do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring to him all that he had spoken, that the promise would be fulfilled. And then later on, years later, Jesus comes out of the promise that was originally given to Abraham. Jesus, the son of Abraham and the son of David. Now, if you think back, how does all this fit? Remember Galatians chapter 3. And just, it says this in verse 6, just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. Remember Romans chapter 2, 28, a Jew is not one who is one outwardly, a Jew, a real Jew is one who is inwardly. It's of the heart, it's of the spirit. And in back in Galatians, he says in the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preach the gospel to Abraham, saying that in you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. And then over in Galatians 3, verse 16, and I compare this to John 3, 16. Now to Abraham, Abraham and his seed where the promise is made. He does not say, and this is what the scripture says, and to many seeds. There are not two seeds. There's only one seed. And to your seed, which is Christ. And then in verse 29, and if you are Christ, if you're in Christ, how many of you are in Christ today? Then you are Abraham's seed according to the New Testament and heirs according to the promise that God made Abraham. Now, that's, I'm just saying a lot of things really quickly. But the first thing that we can see from this move of God that happened in Matthew 1 in verse 2, or Matthew 1 in chapter 2, is the move of God that comes is because of a promise that is made. Now, some of you have promises that God has spoken to you. Just as was spoken earlier, don't give up on that promise This is the hour to fulfill the promises that are spoken. And I declare that 2024 is the day that you're going to walk in what's been spoken over you even many years ago. Some of you, maybe before you were even born, that was spoken over your your mother. You're going to bring forth a child and your child's going to do this, whatever it was. But the first one is, it's because of a promise. Now, the second thing is, this mighty move of God, which came as Jesus, the fulfillment that was spoken to a promise, it went into captivity. Now, this just hit me in the middle. Okay, now, so there's the, the genealogy of Jesus Christ, began with Abram, Abraham. How come it didn't begin with Noah or Adam? Because of the promise given to Abraham. That's why it begins with Abraham. So, okay, Lord, I understand that. And then I can skip all of the begots and get to Jesus. But if you don't skip it, in the middle, there's a captivity. How does that fit? And I felt like the Lord said, with every promise will come an opportunity to abort the promise that you've been given. Something will happen. It will look like You're not going to be able to fulfill the call of God on your life unless you rise up, forget the captivity, and believe the promise. 
that even in the captivity, the promise is still yours. Does that make sense? That really hit me. I thought, now this is, I know I knew this, but it's a gr- another revelation. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it'll do what? It'll produce much fruit. So how many of you have had promises that looked like they had died? Well, join the party. You may have gone into captivity. You know, I can think of a lot of places where you could fulfill the call of God other than going into captivity. But even in the midst of Babylon, you could still and will still fulfill the purpose of God. So anyway, I thought that was pretty cool. If you don't like it, I like it. And then the next thing, the move of God in chapter 1, verse 18, and now we're where we get into the story. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother, Mary, was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. So the move of God that happened in Matthew 1 and 2, really every move of God that's probably ever happened, and the move of God that we're believing for in this hour We look back in this day, there had to be a virgin birth. It had to be, there had to be something that was impossible that only God could do for it to really be a move of God that God would get all the glory for. Now, a virgin birth to me is something that is impossible for you and me to do. Although today they say they can create babies in test tubes and all these things, But I have a feeling God is not going to let them get away. They're not going to outsmart God, whatever their their dreams are, whatever their plans are. In order for the real to be real, for a soul to be birthed into this world, something has to happen. God's got to be involved. And there had to be something. God had to do something if there's going to be a virgin birth, untouched without the help of man. If God didn't do it, it wasn't going to happen. Well, how how many of you know If God doesn't move in this hour, in this nation, it's not going to happen. There's no way. There's no political. I don't know any politician that's going to cause the promises of God that he's given me, any politician that's going to make it happen. It's not going to happen. We got to have God himself. You, You know that old saying that says God helps those who help themselves? How many of you were told that? How many of you realized... I'm not sure there was a lot of truth in that because the truth is I, there's only so much that I can really help myself. I mean, I can get up and things like that, but God's got to be the one to do what I get up for. He's got to be, he's got to do the supernatural. And I think that's what the virgin birth would remind us of in this hour, what God's going to do, no man can do. Only God can do it, and he's going to do it. And then the next thing in verse 18, it says that she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Look over in Luke for just a moment. Luke chapter 1. Remember Mary. The angel shows up and gives her a great promise. Look in verse 31 of Luke 1. And behold, Mary, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He's going to be great. And he'll be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, she said exactly what you and I would say. How can this be? Since I've not, I've never known a man. And what was the answer? And the angel answered and said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. And then you know what happens, and basically Mary does what? What does she do? She says, Lord, let it be to me according to your word. This is the hour to say that to the Lord. Lord, in no way, this is impossible. But nevertheless, let it be according to your promise. Let it be according to your word. Because it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. You know, the greatest need that we have in this hour 
is for the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. Guess what we have? We have the Holy Spirit. Now, I know there's promise, promises of great outpourings, but the greatest outpouring in me has already occurred. How could you have any more? He's not giving me the Spirit by measure. I got the whole Holy Spirit, and I don't mean everything. I know we all have in part in all these things, but I got the real Holy Spirit in me, and so do you. You don't have some make-believe. You don't have any, you know, abbreviation. You got the whole thing. And then the next thing, the great move of God that the Holy Spirit was going to bring, if you look back in Matthew 1 and 2, it was marked by someone who would not be swayed by his own understanding, but he believed what God said. He had an encounter with God, basically. And so it's Joseph. You know, all of a sudden, his betrothed wife-to-be is pregnant. He'd never been with her. Now, History shows that doesn't happen unless somebody has done something they weren't supposed to do. And that's what Joseph thought. He would have thought just what you and me thought, you know. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. How is this? And then all of a sudden, he's ready to get basically a teller to, he didn't want to completely wipe her out, but he was going to figure out a way just, you know, to kind of put this all aside. And then all of a sudden, an angel shows up. Joseph goes into this deep sleep, and the angel awakens and says, you know, him, did you not know that, that she would bring forth a son, and this the son is, was, came of me and all of this? Basically, Joseph had an encounter with God. So I'm going to prophesy over you. Do you know what season we've just entered into a season of fresh encounters with God. Because most of the people in the world are living by this, their own understanding, and they're going to believe the things they see in the natural or the things they feel or what they've always been taught. God's going to raise up a generation that's going to first believe what he shows them as they have an encounter with him. Does that make sense? So I want to prophesy over you. How many of you in, are ready? Lord, I ask you, I prophesy fresh encounters of the Holy Spirit. For everyone in this room and those that are watching, Lord, let it be a season of encounter. In Jesus' name. You know, the revival that's going on in Uganda, it would have never have happened had not Annie had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And she surrendered. She believed God. And then the next thing, notice in verse 21, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Now, in this move of God, it is not going to be about any personality. It ain't going to happen. Personalities get in the way. God will have a way of just removing that personality. This move of God is about the Son of God, the Son of Man. It's all about Jesus. It's about him, and we're going to focus on him. He's the main thing. He's the whole thing. He's all of the thing. It's him. It's him. It's Jesus. His name will be called Jesus. So are we in agreement? The move of God that is coming to Moravian Falls and to many places in America is all about the person of Jesus Christ. And we're going to focus on him. No other subject is going to dominate our time. Amen. There are people that want us from time to time to get into their thing. We're not going into their thing. The thing, we've already found it. His name is Jesus. It's all Jesus. And so anyway, we're in agreement. He's the one who was and is and is to come. He's the Alpha, the Omega. He's the author. He's the finisher of our faith. He's the bright and morning star. He's the Lamb of God. He's the Son of Man, and He's the Son of God. He's the one great desire that every nation on the earth is ultimately looking for. You know, that's what the shaking is all about. So you'll figure out nothing else works. There's only one answer. And he's the way. And then the greatest move of God in verse 21 happened here. And I believe is going to, we're going to see uh, evidence of that today. And you 
will bring forth a son. His name will be Jesus. And for he will save his people from their sins. Now I'm grateful for all the reasons Jesus came. Let's just give a test this morning. How many of you can think of some of the reasons that Jesus came? All right, shout them out. Reconciliation, the cross. That's it. He came to do the Father's will. Came to destroy the works of the devil. You know, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead. But ultimately, and we know he came to seek and save the lost and everything that you've spoken. But he, in this move of God, came to remove the sin. America's greatest problem is not our economy, although we have a problem with our economy. You know, it's like, you know, we've got some issues. They're not telling us. Now, I know there are those who tell us this is the greatest economy since French toast or fresh bread. They created bread, whatever it was. Well, nothing could be further from the truth. If you understand, you be, I was, shouldn't have probably done this last night, but I was listening to a guy that knew what he was actually talking about. And he was explaining how we got to the mess we're in right now economically. And he was explaining how we get out of it. And basically, let me tell you what he said. There's no way out. They fixed it. They rigged it where there's no way out. And my thought was, well, God, I wonder if you had anything to do with any if, any of this. Maybe there really is no way out but to look up to you. Maybe that's the only way. Maybe you really are the way, so you wanted to shake everything that can be shaken, especially the corrupt system of man, so that we'll look up to heaven's provision and heaven's way. But anyway, he came to save this prop- the world from sin, and America's greatest problem is sin. It's not economically, it's not politically, it's sin. Say we've sinned. That's the problem. We need a good old-fashioned dose of repentance in America. We need the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. You know, we used to pray this, and we're going to start praying it again. People drive by Highway 18, and they get by the West Meadows little gap, and they come under convicting power, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Wouldn't that be something if we just saw people pulling off the sides of the road? What happened? Strangely, I'm under the convicting power of some force I do not know. But can you help me? We can. You can be forgiven. I'm telling you, America needs forgiveness. We need forgiveness. And we need to preach it. There is forgiveness. And then the great move of God, and any really move of God, is found over in verse 22, verse 23. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name, what? Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. I always tell them on the radio in Uganda. I always say, you know, guys, because we got a big family in Uganda right now, guys. I mean, it's a huge family. But I always tell them, you know, if something happens and you never hear my voice again on this radio, maybe, you know, I don't know, somebody pulls the plug or, you know, something can happen. Well, get the one, the main, the central figure in this revival still with you. It's God with us. It's God with us. And so it is with us. That's what we want to be made known for. You know that he's with us. It's a presence-driven move of God. We should vote again. How many of you vote that the move of God that is coming, that has begun, that is upon us, is a presence of God move of God? The presence of God. That's what we want to be known for. Not for who we are, but who he is in our midst. And he's there. We have a lot of people that show up here and they say, you know, you guys have grown a little bit accustomed you, you know, you I don't know what it is, but God is in this place. And we need to be reminded of that from time to time. 
But whether they remind us of that or not, our hope is in the presence of God. And that's where we're looking. And then the next thing is, notice in uh, chapter 2, and I'm almost done. See, the 12 days of Christmas, the 12 points, they went really fast. But in chapter 2, verse 1, that after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. They said, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we've seen his star in the east, and we've come to worship him. Now, how many of you, all of us have heard the saying that wise men still do what? They still seek him. Well, the move of God that I believe that is upon us is going to be driven because people are seeking him. And not just because they're seeking him, but because he has drawn them to seek him. No one can come to him unless he draws them. So, Lord, we're asking you to draw America to your son again. Draw, Lord, those that many gave up on. Lord, show them that they're still redeemable. And draw them by the person, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, we're going to see it happen. You know, um, this week, Shirley showed me. She's always showing me stuff. And we have an exciting marriage. There is never a dull moment. Because I'm always into something, and um, you know, she says, but I'm not going to say all that she says. That would be bad for me. But anyway, I heard this week, I'm not laughing, really, it's sad, but there's some, there's some goodness to it. One, one of the oldest members of the Beach Boys died. I don't remember his name. But years ago, many years ago, I may have shared this, but I was flying somewhere, and as I did always in those days, now today you just take your phone out, you know, but in those days you just take the Bible, and I still do that most of the time. I just take the hard copy out, I'm reading the Bible. The guy sitting next to me said, you know, I tried to read that one time, it never made any sense. I said, really? I just happened to be where Paul was, you know, speaking to the church of Corinth, saying, you know, there's a veil, and when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. I just happened to be reading that. So I said, oh, well, let me show you this right here. You see, the scripture says there's a veil over us. Satan has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, but if you turn to Jesus, the veil will be removed. And I shared that with him. He thought, well, that's a very interesting concept. I'll think about it. And I don't know what happened to that guy, but I asked him toward the end, who are you? He said, well, I'm so-and-so with the Beach Boys. And we're on our way. I'm on the way to another gathering. And I don't know if that's that guy or not. I have no idea. But all I know is, is I was at the right place at the right time. And I may have not wheeled, you know, reeled him in at that moment. But how many of you know that the Word of God will not return void? And some plant... You know, and some water, but the Lord is the one that brings the increase. And when I read about his passing, his dying this week, there was something in me that just, I thought, God, I wonder, you know, you ever just wonder if it wasn't the same one? I don't know, but I know that God is reeling reeling them in in this hour. And we got to be ready for this great move. Many are going to seek him. And then the next thing, or maybe there's a couple more, uh, chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. It says, when Herod, the king, heard this, he was troubled. He not only was troubled, he was angered because of what he found. And he really secretly met with the wise men, trying to find out what was really happening and where he could find this Christ for himself so he could go worship him, right? Yeah, if you believe that. You know, he had ulterior motives. And also, he passed this resolution, this decree that all the firstborn males, two years and below, you know, in in Bethlehem and the regions would, would be killed. So, it was a time of genocide, a time of tragedy, a time when Herod was plotting and planning secretly the demise of this move of God. But how many of you know he was not successful? He did not succeed. Now, there was a lot of stuff going on on the earth. Rachel weeping for her children, all these things, the prophetic words, the other side of the prophetic things were happening. But still, 
the secret plots and plans of wicked men behind the scenes cannot prevent the promise of God from coming to pass if a people of God will grab hold of the promise and believe their God. Now, that really spoke to me because I know some of these guys are secretly plotting and planning behind closed doors how they're going to undermine you and me. Can I tell you, it ain't going to happen. It's not going to work. Now, you may cause some disruption, and you already are, but the promise of God is going to come to pass in this hour and with you and me because we believe God. It was accounted Abraham righteousness. He believed God. And then all the way through Jesus, we're in, hey, this is it, guys. We're in the game. And we, we, it's time for our part in it. But this great move of God, even though they're going to be pretenders and imposters and persecution, corruption and modern society cannot prevent what God has planned for you and me. And then the next thing in verse 10 and verse 11, and then they saw the star and they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary. They fell down. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And my friend, you know, he's an evangelist. You know, what's the guy, Mel? What's his last name? Mel Tory. He always sends me these texts since he came here. He just considers us part of his family, and he'll tell me where he's going, what next nation of the earth. And he sent me something, a little, little reminder. He said, you know, just as God sent the greatest gift to us, Jesus, the gift to the world, so we should be presenting one day the gifts to our Father in heaven of the souls of the men and of nations, and it'll be a great gift for him. And that should be our quest in this hour, that he has given us his best gift. We want to give him the best gift, and that's the souls of men and women and the souls of nation. And then the last thing in uh, chapter 2, verse 12. And then these wise men, and being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country in another way. So there's, there's something about this move of God that we're going to have to go another way. The old ways, uh, they were pretty amazing, pretty miraculous, actually. The move of God we were a part of in Mississippi, it was a mighty move of God in Mississippi. Now, some of you don't know about it, but we showed up there, and all we did was is pray through the phone book. Remember, we every day at noon... We would pray for all the families in that county. Now, that county was not that large. What, were there 7,000 people? So it took a while. We're praying through the phone book. And uh, we mentioned the names, you know, the Johnson family, the, you know, the Jared family, you know, the Crook family, whoever they were, you know, that lived in Mississippi at that time. A lot of people lived in Mississippi in that town. There were some crazy things that happened. And one day we'll go there. But all of a sudden, I'm out praying, and I said, God, how many people should be saved? Because we planned a, a play. It was called Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. Some of you have been to that. You know, years ago, there was a move that spread across America, and we were going to bring it to our location. And I prayed, and I, I thought 50 souls. I mean, the church was only 150. If 50 people got saved, you talk about great increase. You know what I mean? So I'm out praying, God. I pray for 50 souls. It's like he rebuked me. He said, no, how dare you ask me for 50 souls? You ask me for a 1,000, and you go announce it to the church tomorrow that you're believing for a 1,000 souls. I remember, literally, I said, God, are you crazy? God, <laughs> God they're going to think I've lost my mind. Lord, have you not been to our church on a Sunday morning? You know, we don't have that many folks that show up. I mean, we got a bunch of folks on the roll. A lot of them are dead, God, but still, they're on the roll. But God, if I tell them we're believing for a thousand souls, they're going to they're gonna wonder what I've been smoking. But anyway, I did it. 
Next day I got up, I said, guess what, guys? We got meetings coming up here in a couple weeks. We're believing for 1,000 people to come to Jesus Christ. And you know what they did? They started just celebrating, shouting. Man, they had smiles on their faces. They believed God. And anyway, we, all kinds of things happened. That's when we were just coming into the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Now, this was a Baptist church. And we were in a prayer meeting. We were all around gathered, and Shirley was a part of that prayer meeting. And Shirley fell out under the power of the Holy Spirit in that prayer meeting in this Baptist church. And I, I thought, Shirley, what are you doing? Get up. Get up. Get up. Get up. What do you think? This is not the Pentecostal church here. You know, what are you doing? Anyway, God was up to something. I'm, since I'm on this story, we got plenty of time. Let me tell you another story. There was a lot of prejudice still in this place, in this city. There was a church, maybe it was about two or three miles from where we were. There was some black folks that showed up in a Baptist church in Mississippi. And the deacons didn't approve of it. So they went to the pastor and they said, now you've got to usher these people out of this church or we're going to usher you out of this church. Basically, is what they said. He said, well, you're just going to have to usher me. I'm not about. I'm not about. So the deacons went down somewhere into the pit of hell. No, I mean the basement. They went somewhere, and they turned off the lights of the church, closed the church down, and everybody had to go home. And then the next day, they gave that pastor his letter of resignation. No, his pink slip. You know, you must look effective immediately, must look for another job. So anyway, all this stuff happened. We were getting ready for this drama, and God put on my heart to preach on the sin of racism. So I put it on a billboard out in front of the church, the sin of racism. Now, the main missionary that oversees all the Baptist churches came to see me in my office. And he walks in and, you know, he says, now, son, I like you. Always be suspicious when somebody says they like you. He said, but I'm going to give you a little advice. You might want to take that, that down. You may not want to preach on that subject because if you do, you're going to get cut. Now, I'd been around Rick Joyner long enough to know. I, the scripture came to my mind. If I seek to please men, I will not be a bondservant of Christ. So I told him that. He said, okay. And he walked out the door. Nothing happened. I'm still here. They hadn't, I was checking my throat after that. Nothing was cut. And the first man that was. Oh, we baptized. You, you tell him, Shirley, then we'll get back. Tell him what happened. She's, okay. She'll remember. <laughs> we have to get the story yeah, you gotta tell correct. This. Okay. One of the things that we had to do in this little church, deep in the heart of Mississippi, is in order to have Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames come, we had to rewrite our bylaws that we would have an open door policy that anybody was welcome to come and worship. That was a bigger deal than you can imagine. And so through many, uh, what do we call those? Not session meetings, elders meetings, no. Deacons, business, meeting. business deacons. meetings, deacons meetings. Yes. Um, Board meetings, very boring One meetings. time, it was my son's birthday. They called an impromptu meeting with him to call him under the carpet while my parents and I were waiting for my son's birthday party to start, you know? I mean, it was really, an interesting time, to say the least, and I'll let him continue. Yeah, one of the first men that got saved, he walked down the aisle. We gave the invitation. When I preached that message on the sin of racism, was one of the main men that was involved, and he wanted to come down and confess his racism and ask God to forgive him. And somehow that opened the door. And a lot of people got saved. In fact, let me, let me, the first one we baptized was a young little black boy. Now, wasn't he in the play? 
Oh, you, hey, you don't have to get back up. Just remind me. But that... Well, whatever he did, he did it. He did it. Now, we prayed for a thousand people. You know, the first night of this revival, it really turned out to revival, was supposed to go three nights. It went three weeks. People were lined up outside. We had to turn away people. They had to call, you know, for help because of the traffic jam. The television station in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, started reporting on it. So then news spread like wildfire. People were coming from all over South Mississippi, in from Louisiana, and waiting hours in advance. So we had to extend it. I remember one night, we're praying before the meeting, and uh, the Lord said, ask me for what you want. Who, how many you want saved tonight? I said, okay, Lord, we want 236 people to be saved tonight. When that night was over, we counted the cards, and there was like 190-something. I said, well, I guess you missed it. Well, there was somebody up in the balcony that came running down with a bunch of cards. said, wait, 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 wait. We counted them up. There was exactly 236 people that night that got saved. They, um, I'll never forget one of my pastor friends he drove up at a gas station, and somebody came knocking on the window of his car, said, are you a pastor? Are you a pastor? Can you tell me? Can you help me? She wanted to be baptized, remember? I want to be baptized. Can you baptize me? He said, here, right here? Well, we'll work it out. Students would stand up in the middle of their classes, interrupt class, and talk about what Jesus was doing in their families. And they even had at the front page of the Columbia Journal or whatever it was. I forget what it was. God has visited Columbia, Mississippi. And when it was all said and done, there were over 1,200 people that came to Jesus Christ. And revival broke out based on people that believed God. People came in one way, they left another. And I'm telling you, in this move of God, in this day, you see, America's going the wrong way right now. Have you not noticed? Pretty obvious, we're not going the right way. But there is a way, and the way is Jesus. And so many are going to come in going their own way, but they're going to walk out going his way. And he's going to get all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. And that is what we're believing God for. There was a major move of God that happened. In my book, it was the greatest move in all of history. Now, the greatest event in all of history happened at the resurrection. I believe that. That was the number one great event. But it had to begin with the birth of Jesus as follows. But it actually had to begin with Abraham and David and then on and on and on in the genealogy. It was interrupted with a time of Babylonian captivity. But it didn't stop it, didn't derail it. It kept going. The Son of God was born, and now you and I are here, called for such a time as this. And that is my story, and I'm sticking to it. So I want to just pray. Let's just pray, guys. I'm done.